If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I'll be sharing today from the first 15 verses. John chapter 5, beginning at verse number 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there was in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today is Preparing for a Miracle. Preparing for a Miracle. How many know God still performs miracles? Amen. Amen. I'm glad for that support today. I came to the right church. Hallelujah. You know, when you look around and see people in church on Sunday, what do you see? You see people with smiles on their faces more often than not. You see people uh, fellowshipping and entering in uh, to the praise and worship. And uh, you could have uh, the illusion that everything is okay with everyone. Uh, A man named Marshall Hayden wrote an article entitled, Would Every Non-Herder Please Stand Up? He pointed out just this fact that I mentioned to you, that we come to church often uh, with our best faces on, but people don't realize that we're hurting. And there could be couples who come to church, you know, and fight all the way on, on the way in the car. But they come in with a smile on their face. Hi, how are you today? I'm not looking around the room right now. Uh... There could be folks with financial trouble. They've lost their job. There could be folks with relationship issues and other problems. Children away from God. And they're here in church, but they're hurting. We hurt because we're human. Amen? Amen. 
It was to such people that Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. That's not to say that every problem is resolved immediately, for Jesus clearly said that we will have trouble in this world. But he can resolve our problems if we trust in him. How many have found that to be true? In some cases, he may resolve the problem immediately. In other cases, he grants the power to endure the difficulty and triumph over it. The healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, recorded here in John chapter 5, is a dramatic example of this. Here is a man who for 38 years had been unable to walk, had been a burden to others, and probably had little sense of self-worth. But Jesus had compassion for him. And he healed him. It's one of the few times the scripture records Jesus healing someone when he was not asked to do so. So let's look at this passage for a few minutes and see how Jesus dealt with this man. Because I believe there are lessons we can learn from this today. No, we cannot create miracles. We are not omnipotent. That is all powerful. Amen? Can we, can we agree to that? God alone is... Uh, the one who performs miracles. But I believe we can set the stage for a miracle. We sang about believing this morning. I believe we can prepare for a miracle and be ready to receive when God wants to do a miracle. Now God is sovereign, okay? He can do a miracle anytime, whether we ask for it or not, whether we're looking for it or not. We know that. But I believe often we play a part in receiving a miracle. We can prepare for a miracle. So for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, what do we need to do to prepare for a miracle? What do we need to do to prepare for a miracle? The first thing is this, state boldly what we really want. State boldly what we really want. In verse 6, Jesus asked the man what at first blush might seem like a very odd question. Keep in mind, he'd been lame for... Uh, 38 years. You all know what my wife has been through, and she's not feeling well today. She's not here, but uh, that's unrelated to her foot. But you know what she's been through the last four, four and a half months, and she's, she's coming out of it. She's, she's driving. She's doing better. But she had, wasn't able to walk for, for four months or more, and it was driving her crazy. Can you imagine 38 years? He'd been lame. And Jesus asked him what seems like the most peculiar of questions. Do you want to get well? <laughs> Do I want to get well? Yes. Do you want to get well? Actually, it was a valid question. For there are people, if uh, given an opportunity, they might actually choose to remain sick. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. You see, when they're ill and incapacitated, they're free of some unpleasant responsibilities. They get sympathy. They can manipulate people by being sick or punish themselves if they feel guilty. How many have heard of Dave Reaver? Great man of God, injured Vietnam vet who lived against all ads, does great, odds, does great work. He tells the story of... Uh, 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 young man in the 1960s who didn't want to be drafted. 
So he went to the extreme step of pulling out all his teeth to make himself unfit for military duty. But it turns out, when he took his physical, he was declared unfit because of flat feet. <laughs> Talk about going to extremes. So when Jesus says, do you want to get well? He's saying, you have friends who bring you here. You've developed friendships with others who come here regularly. If I heal you, your life's going to do a complete reversal. You'll be expected to get a job and relate to people on a different basis. You, your life will completely change. Do you really want to get well? That's a question you and I need to answer as well. Do we want to be well? Do we want to receive a miracle? Doctors Minrith and Meyer wrote a book entitled Happiness is a Choice, and in it they said, as psychiatrists, we cringe whenever patients use the word I can't. Any good psychiatrist knows that I can't is merely a lame excuse. We insist that our patients stop saying can't and say won't. They need to see what they are really doing. I just won't get along with my wife. Uh, my husband and I won't communicate. I won't discipline the kids the way I should. I won't stop gossiping. When they change their can'ts to won'ts, they stop avoiding the truth and start facing reality. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I'm not suggesting we deny the reality of an illness or deny uh, the reality of a difficult situation. You know, there was a movement 20, 30 years ago that said, don't confess your sickness, don't confess, don't acknowledge it. And uh, that's not biblical at all. Our situation is what it is. But we need to stop speaking uh, unnecessary limitations into our lives. Do you want to get well? Do you want a change in your life. We need to state boldly what we want uh, to Almighty God today. Sometimes, you know, when we're in a difficult situation or have a long-standing problem or illness or whatever it might be, we are afraid even to verbalize what we want God to do. Because our, whether we, whether we uh, literally think these thoughts, our thought process goes something like this. You know, this is too fantastic uh, to have happen. I prayed for it before. God's not going to hear it. God's not going to do it. And so I just boldly state what I want and tell God what I want. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to be disappointed. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be worse off than I am now. Is that, is that sometimes... Something like the thought process we go through? I think it is. But if we really, as we sang this morning over and over, if we really believe, if we really uh, believe in who Jesus is and what he can do and what he wants to do, we need to state boldly what we want. Lord, I believe in you for the salvation of my children. Lord, I believe in you for the restoration of my marriage. Lord, I believe you're going to supply my financial needs. Lord, I, I, I believe you're going to bring me out of this situation, this, this, this mountain that's in front of me, this problem at work. God, I believe you're going to give me the solution. We need to start speaking faith. Amen? I'm not... Amen. I'm not, again, I'm not saying deny reality, deny what the situation is, but we need to speak a greater reality that we serve the God of the universe. We serve the God who spoke the worlds into existence. We serve the God who sits on his sovereign throne today. Hallelujah. And God, I'm going to state what I believe. I'm going to tell you what I want today. 
Well, what if that's not what he wants for me? Well, you'll know. He's a good father. He's a good, good father, as we like to sing sometimes. Parents, do you give your kids everything they want because they beg you for it? Where do you think no candy aisles at the supermarket came from? Right? To help a parent out. You know when to not to give your kids what they ask for. You love them too much to do that. God, God Heavenly Father, is the same way. But that doesn't mean we should stop asking, we should stop knocking. State boldly what you want. Tell God what you want to believe for. I don't care if you've prayed 10,000 times that it hasn't happened. Unless God's told you to stop praying for it, unless he told you he's not going to do what you want him to do, then you tell him again, Lord, this is what I want, this is what I'm praying for, and I'm not going to stop till you either tell me to stop or till you provide the miracle. Lord, I'm going to tell you what I want. I'm going to state boldly what I want. Do you want to get well? State boldly to Jesus what you want. What's the second uh, thing we need to do to prepare for a miracle? Stop blaming others for our situation. Well, Pastor Tim, I was with you up until now. Now you're getting in my business a little bit. There was a belief that the waters of Bethesda had healing powers. The people in that day believed that when the waters of this pool of Bethesda bubbled up, the first one in the water would be cured. Okay? And so that's why this man was brought to the pool every day. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? He said, sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else gets in ahead of me. Somebody else beats me to it. Somebody takes my miracle. Nobody helps me. Nobody's here for me. Nobody takes me in. And that's the way it's been. And look, uh, sir, I guess that's the way it'll always be. It's so easy to blame other people for our problems, isn't it? When God asked Adam why he disobeyed, what did he say? <laughs> it's that woman you gave me. It's her fault. I know what some of you wives are saying, and men haven't stopped saying that sort of thing for thousands of years. When Moses asked his brother Aaron why he permitted the Israelites to worship a golden calf, what did Aaron say? The people pressured me to do it. You took so long coming down from the mountain. They wanted a God. So I just threw this jewelry in the fire and this golden calf came out, which wasn't true. That's not exactly how it happened. But what did he do? He blamed the people. He blamed Moses. Now, on one level, it's, it's, it's a little absurd to blame the man of God, the deliverer, saying, you were up on the mountain talking to God too long. That's your fault, Moses. It's the people's fault. He passed the buck. Um, when Pilate was forced to make a decision about Jesus, what did he say? Bring me a wash basin. I wash my hands of this matter. Do as you please, but I'm innocent. We do that today, don't we? We pass the buck. People say things like, I'd stop drinking if my wife would quit nagging me. I'd work harder, but no one appreciates my effort. I'd make better grades, students say, but my teacher doesn't like me. I could get ahead if, 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 if my boss didn't have it in for me. We just blame. Or the way I was raised. Can I tell you something? 
And you may be here today, you may be watching online, uh, you may have, you know, uh, you may have not had the greatest upbringing, I don't know. Statistically, that's entirely possible. Maybe you had some disadvantages growing up. But I want to tell you something. You can't use that as an excuse, as a crutch for your whole life. Because the bottom line is, the life you live is yours. And you have to make the best of it. And you have to allow the Lord to make the best of it for you. And you can't blame your upbringing, your whole life, for, for uh, things not working out for you. And I say that with love. I recognize that there are disadvantages, but I say that with love. It is said that King William of Potsdam once paid a royal visit to a prison. Every prisoner, unsurprisingly, brought before him claimed to be innocent and begged for a pardon. Except for one man. He came before King William and said, I'm here because I'm guilty. I belong here. King William told the warden, speaking of this man who confessed his guilt, get this guilty man out of prison before he corrupts all these innocent men. <laughs> and the man was set free. We have such a difficult time saying it's my fault. We blame heredity, environment, circumstances, everything but ourselves. But the Lord wants us to accept responsibility for ourselves. Can we do that? Can we put on our big boy pants and big girl pants and just say, I need to accept responsibility for myself? Romans 14, 12 says each of us will give an account of himself to God. Yes, our background plays a part in the direction of our lives, but we can rise above that. We have to stop blaming others for our situation. We, we serve God as individuals. Yes, we're part of a body, and that's vital. But in the, in the end, my relationship with God is between God and me. Your relationship with God is between God and you. God loves you. You've heard this your entire Christian life. God loves you and has a plan for you. As Jeremiah says, he wants to prosper you and not to harm you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. And let me tell you something, and if you hear nothing else today, whether you're here today, whether you're looking online, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. God will move heaven and earth to fulfill his plan in your life. God is no respecter of persons, and if you will put aside all the problem things in your life and all the disadvantages and all the things people have done to you and stop blaming other people and you will realize that if you pursue God with your whole heart, if you say yes to him at every turn in your life, he will make your life a thing of beauty. He will perform his plan in your life no matter what's happened, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter what people have done to you, no matter how many people have forsaken you, God will watch over his word in your life to perform it. And nobody on earth and no demon in hell can prevent it. Hear me this morning. So we need to stop blaming others. Others can't keep from you what God has for you. Amen? Amen. What's the third thing we need to do to prepare for a miracle? Step out obediently in faith. Step out obediently in faith. Look at verse 8. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. 
pick up, get up, pick up my mat. He was lame for 38 years. Let me tell you, when Jesus says to do something that you think you can't do, you need to just get up and do it. See, there's that old I can't syndrome. When God says I can do something, I can do it. Not because I grit my teeth, not because I muster up the strength. You know, what does our world say? It's all, it's all inside you. Find the strength within yourself. Right? Mariah Carey had a hit song, There's a Hero in You. It's nice music, but it's horrible theology. Okay? It's not in you. It's in him. It's in the miracle worker. It's in the God who's on our side. Hallelujah. He said, pick up your mat and walk. You need to do something. Now, sometimes Jesus would perform miracles for people and, and, and he wouldn't require an act on their part. But often he would. Remember when he, the ten lepers came to him? What did he say? Go show yourselves to the priests. That was, that was standard practice. For someone who had been cured of leprosy, they had to go uh, to the priests and be, had it documented that they were cured. The only thing with these ten is they weren't cured yet. We understand? But Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. Start, start on the way. Take a step of faith and obedience. When the man had a withered hand, remember? Also on the Sabbath day. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. But I can't. Jesus said you could. Stretch forth your hand. When Jesus put clay on the eyes of a blind man, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he did, and he could see. Jesus asked this man to attempt the one thing he hadn't done for 38 years, pick up your mat and walk, and we see what happened. He did so, and he was healed. What step of faith would God have you to take today? What step of faith is God telling you to take in obedience and in and faith to his whole, uh, to his holy word take a step step out obediently in faith when we planted harvest church going on 32 years ago i'd been a, a staff pastor in the previous church for 10 years had another position before that I didn't know a whole lot about planning a church. In fact, matter of fact, it wasn't an ambition of mine. But God placed it in my heart to plant a church then in Mount Vernon. And God said, I'll be with you all the way. And so God, God spoke, and some of you have heard testimonies, and I, I won't take the time to go into specifics right now, but God spoke un, undeniably to my wife and I, confirmed it with his word and with, with visions and dreams and continued reinforcement that we were to leave our staff position, we were to plant this church and that he would be faithful. And we've, faced some, we've faced some difficult times. We've had ups and downs, and, and, but God has been faithful. Here we are almost 32 years later. And, and uh, were, were we fearful at times? Yes. 
but I, I've said this, some of you have heard me say this before, at, through different times when we've shed some tears, when we've had some heartache, as all, all people in ministry do, all of us Christians do, right? When we've had difficulties and we've uh, been hurt and, and, and had setbacks, my wife and I never once looked at each other and said, do you think we made a mistake? Do you think we shouldn't have stepped out? You know why that is? Because we know we heard the voice of God. And when you know, when God gives you a word in your spirit, and you know it's the word of the divine God of the universe, all the demons in hell can't shake it from you. No setback, no betrayal, no criticism, no financial difficulty, nothing can prevent the word of God from being fulfilled in your life. What would God have you to do today? What act of faith? I'm not talking about presumption. How many know there's a difference between a step of faith and obedience and presumption? Presumption is when we just get led away by our emotions. Okay, God, I'm going to sell my house and all my possessions. I'm going to go on the mission field. You better have a pretty strong word before, from God before you do that. Otherwise, you're just going to find yourself a poor person in a foreign country. Right? But if God's telling you to do that, go ahead and do it. He's going to meet every need. We understand the difference. So we need to step out obediently, that's the key, at a word from God in faith and do what he tells us to do. Jesus said in Luke 11, 9 and 10, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I believe right here and right now, this is seed ground for miracles. I believe God wants to break down some barriers. I believe God wants uh, to break apart some chains today. Whether, whether, whether it's, it's uh, mental torment, emotional uh, upset, depression, difficulty, whether we've been beat up by life, whether it's relationship issues, financial, whatever it is. The epilogue of the story here in John 5 is that after the man was healed, he was motivated to give testimony that Jesus had healed him. And verses 9 through 13 say, The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry their, your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up? The man who was healed had no idea, for Jesus had slipped away. But Jesus came back to the man. In verse 14, it says, Jesus said to him, See, you are well, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Evidently, this man's actions played a part. It's not always the case. Sometimes things just happen to us, amen? But this man's actions played some part in bringing about his affliction. Jesus told him, Be straight, live your life according to God's word. And he knew it was Jesus that made him well. Do you need a miracle today? Do you need God to move a mountain for you today? 
What do we do to prepare for that? First, state boldly what we really want. Tell the Lord. Say, Pastor Tim, I've told them before. Tell them again. State it again. State it boldly. Yes, I want to get well. Yes, this is what I need in my life, in my family. Stop blaming others for our situation. I said it before, I'll say it again. No person on earth, no demon in hell can keep from you what God has for you. Come on, church. We either believe that or we don't. Stop blaming others for our situation. Thirdly, step out obediently in faith. Not presumption, as I said, but faith. God, what would you have me to do? Who would you have me to speak to? What door would you have me to knock on? Where would you have me to go? What change would you have me make in my life? Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. We know that's the key. Wedding at Cana, Mary, Jesus' mother, said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. They did it. A miracle took place. Come on. Come on, church.